Welcome to the news and why it matters. I am joined today by uh, three lovely gentlemen. Mr. Stubergear is back. Uh, most lovely. Conveniently was <coughs> sick <laughs> last night for our media meltdown special. I, I just love the media too much. I didn't like. I didn't want to participate <laughs> in criticizing them. I'm, I'm admiring how healthy you look today. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I know. Uh, and then, of course, Mr. Chad Prather and Jason Buttrell, chief researcher here. Uh, at Blaze TV. So, Stu, what was the top story for you? Uh, well, the only place it's uh, cold, uh, that's colder than Minnesota right now is in the studio. Uh, <laughs> which, uh, but I figure since it's so cold in, in so much of the country, it's a great time to talk about global warming, which is what's causing <laughs> it. What? But it's. But you just said it's cold. Yeah, it's, it's global warming. <laughs> it's not All right, Chad. And things are, of course, heating up still on the abortion debate. Apparently, the governor of Virginia believes it's okay to actually murder a baby. All right. A uh, lot to uh, digest in that one. Jason. You, so you guys kind of brought this up yesterday. And so I heard a little bit about that. But it's about the Kamala Harris's town hall for CNN. Mm-hmm. And I had this one of my epic rants just started formulating. Mm-hmm. I was like, I cannot wait for today's show. I love I'm going to add to it and I'm going to do it. I love that you act like one of your rants is unusual. Yeah. <laughs> like, it just so happens that I had a rant today as if that doesn't happen every other day of the true, week. True, true, true. <laughs> All right, a lot to get into. Before we do that, I want to thank our sponsor, American Financing. Um, so I, you have worked with them a yeah. lot longer than I have. However, I will say when I heard about them, the best thing that I heard out of that right off the bat was that they are not commission-based. Yeah, they're salary-based. Um, so they don't actually care about selling a particular loan or getting a kickback from any of the banks or anything. In fact, they just, I mean, look, I dealt with them for a few months when I was buying my house and what they seem to care about is actually just you getting the best deal that's right for you. I went in with kind of an odd request of, I basically wanted to buy a house as if it was like 2006 before <laughs> the crash because I liked the zero down. I liked it. I thought that was fun. Uh, apparently, uh, this country didn't. Um, but uh, I went in with a kind of a, a odd sort of request, and there wasn't really something that they did, and they kind of thought that no one would do it. Um, <laughs> uh, but I did find one bank that was willing to do it for me, and I, I went back to them because I, you know, I, I, they had given me a lot of good information. I really trusted their judgment. And I went back to them and I said, look, you know, this is one, this one bank is giving me this. I mean, what do you think? What's the best deal? And they said, well, you know, honestly, like if you can find that deal from them, I, I would just take it. And I was like, wow, that's, they yeah. didn't have to do that for me or anybody else. I mean, the idea, they just want to make sure that you're getting the right deal. Uh, and they took care of me as a customer, walked me through all the options, even helped walk me through the loan for the other place, uh, which was well above and beyond what they needed to do. Uh, and if you, so, I mean, if you want a sane mortgage, as Glenn would, would tell me, uh, they're great to go with, and they, and they, they really have this sort of uh, long-term experience, and they were the ones that were able to survive the storm of 2008. They weren't affected by it because they were making smart loans the whole time. Yeah. So if uh, you are looking to uh, get loan, mortgage, whatever, you can go to AmericanFinancing.net or call 800-906-2440. So if you don't mind, I'd like to get the, uh, the heavier topic out of the way first and then we can sure. go back to Not that global warming is not super no, it's heavy. it's fine. It's the earth coming to the end, but whatever. You know, no big deal. <laughs> we have 12 years. Okay, yeah, we do. We do. Plenty of time. There's but, time. But I do want to get to uh, what the Virginia governor has said about this new bill, the abortion bill that's being proposed. Right you know, now. It's, it's, we're living in a day and age where, where someone says, here's my idiocy, and another person says, hold my beer, I'm going to one-up your idiocy, and that's what we have with this recent radio interview with the governor of Virginia. I mean, I want people to hear this because if I say it, people say no one in their right mind 
would honestly utter those words. Yeah. So and really quickly, just to set it up, uh, this this bill that's being proposed, it is similar to the bill that was just passed in New York. Yeah, is New York, that accurate? Vermont, a couple of other places are trying to pass the same thing. It's the new rite of passage to be a, a Democrat, right. which is abortion up until the last second before birth. Right. So, uh, so here is what the Virginia governor had to say when he was asked to kind of clarify what this bill would allow. Watch. When we talk about third trimester uh, abortions, these are done uh, with the consent uh, of obviously the, the mother, with the consent uh, of the physicians, more than one physician, by the way. Um, and it's done in cases where there may be severe deformities, there may be a, a, a fetus that's non-viable. So in this particular example, uh, if a mother is in labor, I can tell you exactly uh, what would happen. Um, the infant would be delivered. Uh, the infant would be kept comfortable. Uh, the infant would be resuscitated if, if that's what the uh, mother and the family desired. And then a discussion would ensue between the physicians and the mothers. Mm. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah. Wow. This is this is what um, evil looks like. That's what evil sounds like. So let me interpret what he just said. First of all, he said if a baby was non-viable. OK, that's a dead baby. Mm-hmm. That's that's a different. Let's categorize that. That's over here. OK, we're talking about a, a non-living baby. What he talked about was delivering a baby. OK, maybe they're a baby that needs to be resuscitated. That happens. But if the baby's resuscitated or if the baby is viable and living, comfort the baby Everybody leaves the room. The doctor and the mother have a conversation of what do they want to do with the life of this now-delivered child. This is beyond abortion. This is murder. It's murder. Here's what I want you to think about. And this is what everybody, I want you to get this in your mind. What if he was talking about puppies? What if he was talking about puppies? Everybody would lose their freaking minds if they said, you know what? My dog just had a litter of puppies. I don't think we want to take care of these puppies. We're going to put them in a bag. We're going to put rocks in the bag. We're going to throw the puppies in the river. People would, their heads would explode. Well, and I mean, they would be brought up on charges of animal cruelty. Exactly. But we're talking about a human being. We're talking about a baby. And I'm ashamed that this guy even has a southern accent. I really am. I mean, it's such a travesty. But, but in all seriousness, I mean, this is, this is where we've gone to the point of lunacy. Given over to a complete depraved mind. It's ridiculous. You can't even classify this as abortion. Because he's talking about the delivery's been done. The baby's out. Like, what are you aborting besides the life? You're not aborting the, pre- uh, the, the pregnancy. You know, when I first heard uh, this being debated with, it was between a woman and she was de- actually explaining what the bill is uh, about. And, the woman who proposed the bill. Right. right Kathy Trump. And I, I actually, I, I, thought, I, I couldn't tell if she was just confused. Like, she didn't even know really what was in the bill. Or she was like, oh, crap, we didn't really think this out and, and write it out very well. Because she was just being very evasive. But now I, there's there's no there's no evasiveness going on at all. She knew exactly what it was. They're talking about killing this child because it might be deformed. Like you, how broad that is. Like if you could, any kind of deformity whatsoever. Oh no, I don't want it to have to deal with that, or I don't want to have to deal with that. So let's just kill it. Well, any, any baby what? that would was be born, if they're making the decision as to they have to agree as to whether this baby will be resuscitated. That's just murder, right? That, like that's you know you're 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 specifically letting a a, a baby die that's already been born. There's no reason for that. That's just, that's psychosis. I mean, it really is. And it, but, I mean, it fits directly into uh, the pro-choice mindset. I mean, we, we talk about choice all the time, and they, you know, oh, well, it's pro-choice and pro, pro-life. Well, that's a very, if you take those things literally and just don't mean pro-abortion and against, you know, against abortion, which is really what those terms used to mean, it doesn't anymore. If choice can be made after birth, right, you know, a few minutes after, and you're saying, okay, we're going to resusc- resuscitate this baby or not, 
that is actually a legitimate pro-choice viewpoint, right? If you believe, if, if the idea is a mother can make the choice as to whether their baby is alive or not, whose right is it to tell them after birth the baby's not alive? Or, you know, there's no, that line is supposed to be left to the mother in the pro-choice mindset. So whether it's nine months pregnant or six months pregnant or three months pregnant or six months after birth, who's to say? Well, we can all say, oh, well, we all agree that that baby six months after birth is alive. Well, it's not about if we all agree. In the pro-choice mindset, it's the mother's decision no matter what. It's the mother's decision. And so these things will continue to happen. I mean, Peter Singer from Princeton, who's the chief of ethics there, has made this argument many times that after birth is an okay time for, to get rid of a child um, until, they, until they are able to kind of handle their own lives. Um, we made fun of it on Wonderful World of Stew, saying like, oh, your choice can, extends to when they're, what if they're having the terrible twos, or what if they're, uh, you know, they're 16 years old and they're they're a pain in the ass teenager. Why can't you abort them then? It's mother's choice. Choices that makes it a ridiculous standard. If it's just individual's choice, anything can happen to the offspring of any person, and that is the road we're walking down. We're now seeing it pass, go beyond nine months, and now we're just out of the womb. How long do you think it's going to take until it it's two months or three months or six months when they've yeah. been born? It's well, not going to be that long. To use the word choice as a perfect example, and it has been for a long, long time, of how when you redefine the words and use them for what you want them to say, it, it makes, it launders the real meaning of what's going on. You are either pro-life or you are pro-death, period. It's not about choice. You're either pro-life or you are stopping the life of a living being. And that's why you cannot, personally, you cannot, you have to draw a line in the sand. It's either a life or it's not a life. You, there can be no thing of convenience, or even if it's hard on the mother emotionally. I don't, you, you have to draw that line in the sand. That's why they say, like, the, the big thing is whether it's of incest or rape. Look, is it a life or not? I understand the circumstances surrounding are very difficult. The circumstances surrounding a child that may be, I don't know, deformed or, or, or other, other issues like that. Is it a life or is it not a life? Right. Well, you can't make, you can't, you have to draw that line because then if you say, oh, well, yeah, we're, 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 we're just going to excuse it in this, in this one little instance. Yeah, it's a well, then you open it up all down the line to things like this is where this is, this is why Roe v. Well, Wade was so devastating. I also would be very interested to know, I mean, legally, the legal consequences of let's say that this does take place in uh, Virginia and a mother decides after she delivers the baby that she doesn't want it because she was trying to have an abortion and, you know, what have you. What if the father wants the baby after it's been born? We're just going to say it's a, it's a woman's right to choose what she does with her own body, and the woman is allowed to murder it after it's already been born, and the exactly. father has no rights? That's I mean, exactly legally, well, legally, I would love to see that play out in the courts because, I mean, surely the father after the baby— if, Remember, the entire argument is a woman has a right to do what she chooses with her own body. It's not in the body anymore. So why wouldn't the father have claim if the father said, I'll take the baby and raise it? Yeah, it's, it's a good point. And these debates are actually already happening. I, I read a, a, a report uh, at Oxford. So, you know, a big time university was in Oxford and it was multiple professors got together and they made the case for uh, um, infant terminations all the way up until I can't remember how long it was. It, it, it was it seemed like it was either up until six months after birth or beyond. But they were like, look, if we're going to make the case that you can terminate the pregnancy because it can't survive on its own, you know, it's got to have the mother. That you can make the same exact case six months from then, because if you just leave a six-month-old baby out there, it can't survive on its own. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So therefore, if we're going to use that rationale, it works all the way up, all the way up to you can uh, we can we can abort 
criminals in New York now. We can give them instead of we don't call it the death penalty anymore. We just call it abortion. <laughs> We're just going to abort murder. Oh, that's, I mean, if that's, what's, that's what's yeah. funny. Late to, uh, these late-term pregnancies in New York. I think I brought this up before, but that's a lethal injection. So they believe yeah. in lethal inject, injection yeah. for for infants, but not for criminals. Yeah. What the heck? I mean, it's, but it's, seriously, uh, the slippery slope that you're talking about, though. I mean, it's like when you have a newborn, it's Hard. Could you imagine if you allowed women the flexibility in that particular stage of their life of whether or not they wanted to take back their decision to have their Look, baby? I got five kids. You're, you're, not, you're not sleeping. At some point in time or another, I wanted crazy. to kill all of them. <laughs> but I mean, seriously, yeah. if it's, I mean, you've just, even if it's just after birth, like what the governor just said. You're not in the frame of mind no. to be deciding on that right now. Well, that was what the other lawmaker said. It was basically like the, the emotional stress put on by the pain of giving birth mm-hmm. is enough to request <laughs> an abortion. Well, we all know there's pain in giving birth. That's a big no part of woman is in her right mind after giving birth. <laughs> My wife so. told me she wanted to kill me yeah. right after she gave birth. <laughs> <laughs> She, she probably tells you that quite often. Yeah, that's like every other day, really. It wasn't just that one occasion. <laughs> uh, but, you know, you, you bring up the death penalty, and it's like, well, I mean, what, the only real reason that we, you know, we would want to, as a society, kill someone, right, is if they're committed a crime or if they've done something that threatens you, if there's a thre- an ongoing threat, a self-defense situation. Well, uh, no, no baby ever co- hits that goal, ever. No baby ever hits that goal, no matter what the circumstances are of the conception. It does not equal the value of the life. And that is a difficult line. It's really hard, I think, for people to conceptualize. But the baby didn't commit any crime. The baby should not be uh, eliminated because the baby did not commit any crime in these situations. It's a, it's a sacrifice at the altar of convenience is what it is. And it's amazing to me that man's inhumanity to man extends beyond the bounds, even, even reaching to the unborn and now to the born, to these innocent babies. I mean, it is the cry of the blood of the innocents when you, when you consider this. This goes back to ancient days of heating the hands of the god Moloch and placing your babies as a sacrifice. It, it's a sick, sick thing, and it's amazing. You're seeing that cycle repeat itself in that same weird, murderous mindset. One more quick thing on this, and when you come to legality, we've been talking about this, and we have something coming up on the TV show here in the next couple of weeks on it. Um, the... Uh, if you guys, I mean, remember, we went through this already. When George W. Bush was president, we got a partial birth abortion ban. Mm-hmm. And that was supposed to stop all of this. This was supposed to stop these nine-month abortions. It was supposed to, I mean, it was a bipartisan bill. People agreed upon it. I mean, I know Bill Clinton vetoed it a couple of times in the 90s, but his argument was basically it's a slippery slope. We're not, that's not going to happen, but it's a slippery slope, and I don't want you guys taking any more women's uh, rights uh, to choose. And then we get into George W. Bush. We passed the partial birth abortion ban. It gets done. It was one of the things in his presidency you can kind of go back and say, at least he got that done. That was a good thing. Well, what they decided to do, and that it was so specifically worded that they used to partially birth the baby and kill it halfway out. What they're doing now instead to get around that ban, which was supposed to stop nine-month abortions completely. Instead, what they're doing is they're, in, they're poisoning the baby inside the womb, letting the baby die inside the womb. Then it's being delivered anyway. They basically went completely around the spirit of that ban um, and tried to get it out on a technicality. And now the Democrats who voted for that ban, many of them, are trying to codify it in law in state after state after state. There is such a clear path to, uh, you know, from a... I mean, I didn't like Bill Clinton as president. I thought he was terrible. But from that Democratic Party to the one we have today, it's almost unrecognizable. I mean, they have turned into basically a bunch of Alexandria Ocasio-Cortezes. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. If the American people uh, embrace that, we are in real trouble. It's, I mean, the, state, the, the, the sanctity of life is in real trouble. Our economy is in real trouble. We're going to turn into Mexico or Venezuela if these people get control of this. It's, it's scary stuff. Yeah. 
if you haven't noticed, now is probably the time to uh, get on your knees and start praying because this is, this is really scary. Back in a minute. Before we move on, I want to thank our sponsor, Relief Factor. Um, so I have a birthday coming up, Yay. and I've gotten to the Aww. point where I don't really want to celebrate birthdays because I'm getting old, and <laughs> along with getting old means you wake up and you're like, what did I do to my back? Oh, I just slept on it wrong, and mm-hmm. now it's screwed up for the next two when weeks. you hurt yourself sleeping, that's usually <laughs> a first time. <laughs> really bad. Really bad. But so I'm sure there are a lot of you out there. I know there are, what, 100 million Americans who are just in constant pain all the time. If you have not tried it already, might I suggest something that's worked for us here at The Blaze? It works for me. It's worked for Jason. I know it works for Glenn, who is, you know, way older than me. Just saying. Well, yours, yeah. Just by a few. Um, but so Relief Factor, it is 100% natural, um, and it's fish oil, and um, just it's ingredients that tackles the inflammation in your body, which big pharma, you know, it's kind of masking the uh, what's really going on in your body. Relief Factor actually addresses the root cause of a lot of people's pain. So as it turns out, uh, 70% of the people who buy the three-week quick start pack that Relief Factor has, they go on to keep buying it. So it's addressing their pain. It's helping them. It's helped us. It can help you. If you are in pain, go to relieffactor.com. Get that three-week quick start pack for $19.95. The odds are in your favor that you're going to be out of pain, which uh, to me was life-changing. So I highly suggest it, relieffactor.com. Stu, I want to go to uh, global warming. Yes. And how uh, it's freezing it's everywhere. It's freezing right everywhere, so global warming talk time. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, in fact, I want an argument like global warming. I want one like this because anything <laughs> proves the case. If it's cold, it proves the case. If it's hot, it proves the case. Literally, the only thing, if it was like 72 degrees without a cloud in the sky every day, every year, then I think they'd say global, you know, weird, weather weirding, it's normal. Too, it's too normal all the time. <laughs> if there are hurricanes, it's yeah. because of global warming. And if there's a drought, it's because of global warming. Yeah. I mean, I mean <laughs> it's, insane. It's, it's insane. Like, the, on the poster of Al Gore's An Inconvenient Truth was a giant hurricane. Okay? <laughs> then we went through a decade plus of no hurricanes hitting the, the uh, United States in any major way. And still, when the next one hit, 12 years later, it was proof that global warming was causing more frequent hurricanes. Mm-hmm. It's like, I, it's impossible to disprove this theory and it much make it make You it just so don't understand climate change, I just don't Stu. understand it. That's right. Um, so this is what's really great about it is they're now saying that, uh, you know, part of the weather extremes that we're seeing now is that this cold air is pushing uh, very low, lower than it would normally be on your map or southern uh, from the from the Arctic. And it's hitting these areas that didn't normally get this cold. Now, of course, if you talk to anyone who's lived in these areas for a long time, they will tell you multiple stories about times it's been that cold. But that's not important because it's happening more frequently and more drastically now, as we're told. Um, You know, we can go back, and we've been through this stuff a million times, go back and look at their predictions from many years ago. They're all wrong. They're all off. They all uh, put much more emphasis into, uh, you know, this sort of a positive feedback loop that would create these terrible, um, uh, terrible situations that have actually occurred, you know, when you look at the actual numbers. But, like, I'm fascinated just generally by this idea that you can just blame global warming for every single thing. I mean, every single thing, when there's a tornado, when there's a hurricane, when there's too much rain in some places. If you look at the New York Times story today about the, the, the cold blast, they're saying, 
Yes, this cold blast is global warming, but it's even more than that. It's the much more mild winters that we've been feeling. At the same time, it's about the fires that are going on in in, uh, Australia. And every event around the globe, which we now have the technology to really detect every one of them. I mean, that's a big part of this, you know. This is the most famous with uh, tornadoes in that, you know, for a while Al Gore was saying that we were having much more tornadoes than we used to. Um, but when they looked at the numbers of F3 and above, which are the ones that people actually kind of notice, right, that now we pick up all the F1s and F2s, but F3 and above, you look at there's actually been a decrease uh, over the past 100 years. Um, but I think that is part of this sort of argument where people are going to come in and say, uh, well, you're a science denier, and we'll say, well, we believe, uh, we believe that you can innovate out of these problems if they do exist, and we'll have that sort of back and forth. But if you take a step back, what are they really attacking? They're not attacking the weather. They're, not, they're attacking capitalism. This is, a, this is an attack on capitalism. And this is the type of moment where you should step back and, and, and realize what a glory capitalism is. Think about this for a second. If this event had happened 100 years ago, we'd be looking at 50,000 people dead. Because if the, all of a sudden the temperatures went down to minus 50 in these regions, no one would be, no, first of all, they wouldn't know they were coming. Second of all, they wouldn't have the uh, insulation or the, or the ways to heat as many areas as they, as they can now. What we saw today, as, as of this morning, I believe four people had died because of this. And this is a major situation for the middle of the country right now. Uh, two, of, two people had crashed uh, car crashes into snowplows. Uh, and another one had skid off the road, and one person was found in their garage, uh, frozen for being outside too long. Um, again, like I don't know why you're out in your garage doing anything at that point. God only knows, right? I mean, I you know I feel for the family, but it's like if you're inside your home, right? Like he's got a garage, he's got to have a home. If he was inside his home, he's probably not dead. People driving on the road, well, people crash all the time on the road. Is that a car issue or is that a global warming issue? Um, I guess the step back, though, is that, like, think about what would have happened in, in the 1800s and did happen when these things would happen, when, when these things would go on. The idea that we've been able to improve society, make it so much more wealthy, make it people who are even the poorest among us have shelter and TVs and, and they know this stuff's coming. They've got cell phones to be able to look at the weather, the exact weather down to the most minute detail. All of these improvements coming from capitalism uh, and now is the, is the villain in the story. And it just shows how twisted and, and, and bizarre we are when it comes to talking about this. We should instead be today stepping back and saying, wow, this is a terrible thing that's happening to uh, a lot of people. And we're going to come out of this with a much higher than four, unfortunately, dead count. I'm sure it's going to be that bad. But it's going to be a heck of a lot less than anything we've ever seen before. When you see hurricanes crash into you know, uh, Haiti and it kills 100,000 people and the same hurricane crashes into Texas and kills two. There's a reason for that. It's not because God doesn't like Haiti and God loves us. It's because we've been able to take this, uh, this country and, and, and use capitalism, which I believe is a gift just directly from God, uh, to be able to make it into a country that can withstand terrible things from, from nature. And adapting is really the solution here. You're uh, absolutely right. that the, the root cause of this, of the entire you know, environment is blowing up and it's killing us all, was an attack on capitalism. Mm-hmm. And it actually started um, right after World War I. Uh, right, uh, some Eastern European, uh, you know, big thinkers went to Germany. They went to a place called the, they established a place called the Frankfurt School, and uh, they started writing a ton of papers that was attacking Western Western culture, showing how you know Western culture was attacking people, and it was you know Western culture and capitalism to blame for everything. One of the big things they said they want to target was capitalism and Western culture is an assault on women. We hear that today. Yeah. Capitalism in uh, you know Western society is an assault on um, the LGBT um, you know people. 
um, capitalism and Western society was an assault and attack on the environment. They wanted to show everything uh, was under siege about capitalism. That way they could change the mindset and eventually overthrow capitalism. This whole climate change started in Germany from the Frankfurt School, a bunch of socialists and communists that wanted to basically just attack uh, our Western culture. That's where it started. And at the World Perfect. World Economic Conference, they are going to fly in 1,500 private jets. Yeah, yeah. Up. So, yeah. you know, they're going to discuss the climate, but, yeah, that's capitalism. <laughs> All right, back in a minute. It was when you got a war footing. You know, on a war footing, you get any That's right. something really, really good on TV tonight, Chad. Yes, Do you the know about very this? first episode, the premiere, the debut of Humor Me with Chad Prather. Oh, wow. Right. Right. TV, nice. 8.30. I tonight. know that guy. You know that guy? I know that guy. Flesh. No, my guys, uh, Sean Foster, Jason Hernandez, Party Foul, Steve Powell, we, we've worked hard on this thing to put it together, and it's been a fun, fun idea. And so I hope everybody will subscribe and check it out and watch it. I think they're going to enjoy it. It's diff- It really is very different from anything else that's on Blaze TV. All right. BlazeTV.com, and we'll see you guys in overtime now. Up next, enjoy bonus overtime content from the news and why it matters. Available exclusively for podcast listeners and Blaze TV subscribers. Not a subscriber? Start your free trial at BlazeTV.com. Jason, uh, K- uh, Kamala, Kamala. Yeah, it's got to be Kamala. It right? Yes, Kamala. Kamala like Harris. Kamala. Kamala. Chameleon. Kamala. I, every time before I say it, before I go on, I'm like, Kamala, Kamala. Kamala is the one I want to use. I always uh, want to say Kamala. I heard her say it, and it's Kamala. Kamala. Are you being I yes, didn't know that. Kamala, Kamala. Yeah, it's not, it's and it's Kamala. thrown me off ever since Kamala, I heard Kamala, that I was Kamala, saying Kamala, it wrong. Kamala, Kamala, Kamala. <laughs> That's a great way to remember it, actually. Yeah, it rings in my head. Up. All right, what'd she do? All right, so this is kind of crazy to me, and yes, rant incoming, because I read that I read the story after she gave her big town hall, and uh, and I already I mentioned this before, but I just thought it was interesting. This is just kind of like a sub to my rant before my rant. That um, CNN gave this to her. Yeah, you, like, you'd like, you'd give us a table of contents. <laughs> just do it. Should we even be here? Yeah. We can all leave and you could just rant. I thought, it, I thought it was interesting that CNN gave this to her. They're, they haven't given it to any other candidates coming out. And said She's the only front it. runner in the race she, right now. She's but, the only one who could take seriously in the race right now. But didn't you but say I mean, that? Before I mean, she came, you could have given it to Elizabeth Warren. Elizabeth Warren is in that conversation, but I think right. she's just so you, bad. You, you could have said we're giving it to that all that of them. CNN had donated... That's what, that, that's what I was about her? to say. Yeah, Warner uh, Warner was uh, the leading uh, don- donator to her campaign, the leading one. Donor, yeah. So I just I thought that was interesting. Mm-hmm. But anyway, that would piss me off if I was a Democrat. Wait, that would piss was, me off. Who was the biggest? Like Time Warner? Uh, yeah, Warner Entertainment Group or whatever they're okay. called now after all the mergers. Right, and that's yeah. hard. To, that's hard to keep track of. So that means <laughs> yeah. people from the company, or how does I mean? Because that's always a confusing one. Sometimes it's yeah. like, well, sometimes it means the corporate donation, but sometimes it means just people who work at the corporation who made the donations. If, 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 if Hillary buying the DNC in the last election didn't piss everybody off, then it doesn't matter. They're yeah. not getting no, no, it doesn't matter. Nothing matters now. Like, you, you literally, Trump was right. You literally could shoot somebody if you're a candidate, and they would they'd just kind of brush it off the next day, and it wouldn't matter. But anyway, so that town hall was the highest rated show. Like, more people tune in for that for a single candidate than ever, like in uh, history. Any network too, right? Uh, I see. Originally, I said that. Now yeah. it kind of sounds like it's just for CNN. Okay, but, but but a crap ton of people tuned in to watch that thing. Yeah. Is that a that's a, a professional measurement? That's actually crap crap ton. Ton. In, 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 <laughs> in Nielsen. The it says yeah. there, there's a lot and there's a crap ton at the very <laughs> okay. top. Yeah. 
Um, but anyway, I was, I, was, I, was, I was just kind of thinking about that. And I was like, that is insane that that many people want to tune in to listen to socialism. Straight up. To talk about anti-Second Amendment, to talk about socialism. That many people are interested in it. And I was like, it's, it's GOP's fault. It's all the GOP's fault. I was listening to, I, I don't know why I watch this movie because it's hardcore liberal. It's just written so well, but the American president, Michael yeah. Douglas. Mm-hmm. There's that scene at the end where like uh, Michael J. Fox, who should have won an Oscar for that, by the way, because Michael J. Fox was like the secret. All right, back on track. Anyway, yeah. But anyway, that, that was the good. <laughs> to his other rant. But he has this conversation where he's like, in the absence of leadership and ideas, then people will literally crawl through the desert to Mirage and drink the sand. And I was like, that's literally, I think, how conservatives feel nowadays. Like, there, there's no new ideas. We used to be the party of, like, party of ideas. I think that was the actual quote. Republican, the GOP, was the party of ideas. Because we did. We had a lot of new ideas. Reagan had a lot of ideas. But where are they now? Literally, the only people bringing ideas are, is the left right now. They're the only ones that are coming up with, like, there's, there's social problems. There's all kinds of issues. They're the only ones that are coming up. They're not new ideas. They're old ideas. Socialism is a very old idea. We've been talking about this since what? The 60s, easily, about universal health care? Sure. Easily since the 60s. But we're bringing up old ideas, and they're getting so much traction, so much that people can't wait to hear them. It's absolutely insane. And there's nobody from the GOP that's saying, look, yeah, yeah, health costs are high. What is the root cause for why health costs are so high? It's because of all these third-party payment structures that we have. Um, There should be no more employee, uh, 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 employer-given health insurance. It's inflating the cost. There should be no Medicaid and Medicare. It's inflating the cost. These are are artificial things that are inflating the cost. Providers and the hospitals, though, are at the root cause of the problem because they're setting these costs. I would say that's below the root cause. I disagree. Because because Medicaid, Medicare, and employer-given health care, they're artificially manipulating the free market. That's why. So so you always say big pharma. So if I'm big pharma, why should I, uh, if I can offer a, a drug that's very high price and there's al- it's already given a blank check by the government yeah. because of Medicaid and Medicare and because employers are going to pay it anyway. Oh, yeah. Why should I lower my prices? Big pharma, I think, it's is a my completely, fault. big pharma is a separate issue from the provider, the contracts between provider and hospital and health insurance companies. I think big pharma, pharmacy is m- separate. But, I mean, it's the, a separate the issue in my the, mind. I, I understand what you're saying. The incentive. I mean, right. Reagan talked about this in the 60s. If you just give someone a blank check to go into a grocery store yeah. and don't give them any price, and every they're going to go in there, and of course they're going to buy as much as they can, and they're going to they're, the, the grocery store is going to know. It's just the same thing with colleges and books we've talked about before. The, why, why do books at colleges cost hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of dollars for a book? Well, it's because, uh, you know, the, the structure is completely out of, it doesn't make any sense. The, why has the tuition gone up like that? Well, it's because you're getting government-free, you know, guaranteed loans that everyone can get at ridiculously low interest rates. So they keep charging these, I mean, it is, it's incentivized, these places are incentivized to do it. What's crazy is, if you think about technological innovation drives prices down. So, like, I remember I bought an LCD TV, a plasma screen TV, whatever it was called back in the day. It was like 10, 15 years ago, maybe 15 years ago. Yeah. I literally had to take a loan out to, to buy the thing. It was like $2,600. Yeah. It was that thick on yeah. the sides. Oh, yeah. Like, no, you could, I, I don't, I, I would not get that today. No one would get that today. That same available TV. available today. Is, I remember there was a 65-inch smart TV at Walmart for $355. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely insane. But so why is the only one that goes outside that paradigm is healthcare? So technology is going up. Health crises are continuing to go up. Partially, though. That doesn't make any sense. Yeah, partially, it's, though, it's, it's bigger than that, right? It's like, it's, it, you know, first of all, people are living longer, so they're hitting these big diseases later in life. People are, li- you know, when, when you get, when we used to die at 72 and now we're dying at 82, those 10 years are filled with lots of late life diseases that wind up costing the, the system quite a lot. 
Um, and, you know, you, you see the things that were invented many years ago have come down in cost, right? But there's new things always popping on, uh, you know, as well. I've heard that argument before, and I, I, don't, I don't buy into that because new technology, they, I've heard people, maybe this is not the point you're making, but a lot of times they say new technology means you have to bring in more people, it costs more money, but that's not the case in any other industry. Let's take, for instance, the oil industry. Um, it took a ton of people to do fracking back in the day. Prices went down, we had to innovate, we made the iron roughneck. Now, it, now they lowered the, uh, the actual employees. Now it takes three employees to do what 20 would do. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. That's not really the point I was making. The point I'm making is that when you have, like, if the CT and the MRI came out, and when they, they polled uh, physicians around the world to find out what the biggest medical improvement was in the past century, they picked the CT and the, MT, and the MRI because they could now actually just see inside and they didn't have to do exploratory surgery every single time. And at the time, you know, the U.S. had, I, I can't remember the numbers now, but it's something like 15 times mo- what most countries had as far as those devices go. Well, that's, that type of improvement, and that's, a, that's an old example, but that type of improvement is what makes our, our health care more expensive. We, have, we do have more expensive drugs. We have more expensive uh, equipment. But over time, that, that MRI price has come down a lot. I mean, it, it's come down a lot from those days. And so the individual pieces of equipment that come in and these individual inv- in, uh, investments, they do come down in cost. But when the incentive structure is so heavily weighted to no matter what, we'll pay the bill. Yeah. No matter what, you get this test. I mean, that is not, it's not going to create any sane pricing structure. And it's going to be much more insane with Kamala Harris's idea of getting rid of private insurance and giving Medicare for all, meaning not just available for all, but giving, making sure everyone's on Medicare because Medicare is the craziest one at all. We've already driven ourselves into $20 trillion of debt because of Medicare. And it's like one of the most popular programs in America. And they're talking about expanding it for everyone. We're already $20 trillion in debt and on track to be $100 trillion in debt from one crappy program. Yeah. And they want to expand it? Yeah. You know, that's just going to make everything worse. Well, one of the largest demographics in America today are people turning 100. That's, that's, not, that's unheard of. And that's back to the point sort of that you were making earlier. That's okay if you let the liberals get in charge. We're going to eliminate them too. So it's just a matter of time. <laughs> but we also have impoverished people. Like, we don't have poor people in America like... They do on a global scale. Mm-hmm. Our, our poor people have diabetes. They, they're fat. They're, over, they're overweight. And, and so we are, by and large, an unhealthy people. I mean, we're on four or five prescriptions, everything from head drugs to heart drugs to, you know, statins and all these different things. I mean, we're not healthy people. So, you know, the price of health care is going to continue to, as long as there is that free market, it's going to happen because we're eating ourselves to death and entertaining ourselves to death. And, and that's, what is that a sign of? It's a sign of a, a country with excess. Yeah. Right? It's, like, you know, it's like we, we, that didn't happen earlier because you didn't have the money to do it. Now that we're in excess, yeah, people sometimes treat their bodies badly. It's yeah. kind of the fun of life. Basically, and then you put it until the, until the statins start. I need a drink. Yeah. <laughs> I, get, I get so tired of people like you hear like Ocasio-Cortez talk about how we don't spend enough money towards, you know, like universal health, for, towards health care or towards welfare. That's total bullcrap. We spend, what, $1.2 trillion annually on welfare and, uh, and, and health. And I, I'm adding in, I guess, Medicaid and Medicare into the entire welfare umbrella. But the vast majority of that $1.2 trillion or whatever is Medicaid and Medicare. The vast majority. In fact, since... We we talked about LBJ's war on poverty uh, off the air. But since all, a lot of this began, since LBJ, so when was LBJ? 1969 or something like that? Since then, all the way up until today, we've spent $20 trillion on welfare, including Medi- Medicare and Medi- uh, Medicaid. And you hear Ocasio-Cortez say, oh, we spend too much on the military. Every single war from the Revolutionary War up until now, we've only spent $8 trillion on war. $8 trillion. 
That's it. It's all of that combined. So we've spent, a, what is that, like four times, three times the amount of money on welfare and, and Medicare and Medicaid? And, and, don't forget, and don't forget, if somebody goes into a hospital in an emergency situation right now and they don't have health insurance, they will not be denied treatment. They will get treated. Are they going to pay that? Most likely not. Somebody's got to pay for that. Who's going to pay for it? Chances are it's going to be folks like me and you. Or it's going to be the folks in the healthcare industry who know that that contingency is going to arise. My, my biggest issue with this rant is like there's nobody on the GOP side that's actually doing some kind of counter idea. There's no big idea to this. You can say you want universal health care, but what, do you have anything to combat that? Or is it just to keep things the way they are? Because things really can't stay the way they are because we have a hybrid system, half, right. social, half socialized, half free market. And that's why things are so bad right now. And right. There's got to be some new idea. That's, I completely agree with, with your point. I will, however, say, you know, the Democrats, I think, are always going to find some pain that's, that Americans are feeling and make them believe You're that right. they deserve more, they deserve better, they're entitled to X, Y, Z, when if you look at before the ACA was passed, they were still saying the same things, right? Mm -hmm. That was just the stepping stone to get to single payer. But if you looked at it, and this was my argument to everyone being in the health insurance industry, I was like... Yes, there are problems, but the, the, the issue is that when you create in your mind or in everyone else's minds that what we deserve is a utopia. Like we deserve a utopian healthcare in, uh, industry where everyone gets treated, no one has any issues with the system, no, like everything is perfect. And it's like they've, they have trained Americans to believe that, well, if we only tweak this one thing, then it's going to be perfect. And we don't teach the Americans to appreciate the system that we currently have and still how much better it is than all of the other nations out there. Yeah. It's like we're not, we're not, you know, sometimes, and I would say pre-ACA, we didn't have to come up with any kinds of solutions. You know what I mean? Like it was, it was working the way that it was supposed to be working and there were minor issues that yes, we could tweak, but to change it and to upend the entire thing because there were problems, there are problems with every single healthcare system in the entire world. Course, yeah, and, and it's like we're training the Americans to think that like we, if we could yeah. only just, just fix this part of it, then the system will be perfect. It's not, it's not ever going to be perfect. It's never going to be perfect, but we were told one time that was really going to improve, and that was the ACA. Right. We've already, how can people be falling from this again from Democrats? We were just told in 2008 and nine. That the solution was Obamacare. And now the Democrats are running against Obamacare for being a failure. Right. And because of, and now they get the another shot. Higher. Right. Now they get another shot at this. Yeah. They get another shot to remake our system after we just had to deal with their last decade of nonsense. How does anyone fall for this? Yet they, they continue to. I, I, I would love, last thing, I, I would love to just have somebody that would be such a breath of fresh air. E even if there's things to work on, if they just came out with some, something new, try something new. Uh, first, you're absolutely right. They come with some little the pain or whatever. And they'll shoot down an idea. But what I would do, I'd go out there and I'd never get elected, but I'd say I'm getting rid of Medicaid and Medicare. Yeah. I'm getting rid of employer-based insurance. Instead, I'm going to help set up money uh, or uh, medical savings accounts for everybody in the country. Yeah. And then change insurance to be more like catastrophe insurance. Like if your house burns down, that would be the That's equivalent of... That's supposed to be. Right. Yeah. That would be like if you got cancer or something like that or some needed some major thing. That's what insurance would go to. Not if you have a runny nose... You know, or, or if you have a sore throat and, and you miss out on yesterday's special, something yeah. like that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they, we should support those people. <laughs> uh, all right. Speaking of the 2020 election this and Kamala, that's what a crap ton <laughs> is. is. A crap ton. Thank you, Chad, for the <laughs> scientific explanation of the word crap ton. It, it, you know, climate change, Bill Nye. They, Chris Matthews had Bill Nye on MSNBC last night, uh, the science guy. Oh, wow. To I mean, discuss it. Well, I mean, you couldn't. 
Uh, could you think of a better expert? <laughs> uh, a, a I guy certainly who's not couldn't. a climate scientist so that wears a bow tie. <laughs> that was a crap done. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. So speaking of the election and Kamala, uh, so the Democrats are kind of turning on Howard Schultz. I don't know if you've noticed. Yes, but they don't like him. yes. So former Starbucks CEO Howard Schultz has announced. He said he just said he's thinking about running. Right. Yeah, he hasn't said I'm going to, but he's like, yeah, he's like, I'm going to do a, he has a book out right now, which yeah. part might also be part of what he's doing. Right. But he says he's going to do a little listing tour and see how. And so far, he's getting quite an earful from Democrats who think he's mm-hmm. going to split the vote, you know, kind of have the Perot thing happen. And, and, uh, and he, you know, Trump will win because it will be he'll get 35 percent of the vote and win. Right. Um, you know, I mean, Schultz is a lifelong Democrat. He would be far to the left of any of us. Um, but, I mean, at least he's, he's the only person, by the way, Republican or Democrat that's running for president, that's actually talking about the deficit. Mm-hmm. He's the only one who's talking about, uh, that's probably the most important issue we were just talking about with $20 million. He's talking about, he's against Medicare for all. He's against some of these big programs being uh, presented by the Ocasio sort of wing of the Democratic Party, which is why he doesn't fit in it anymore. He, he's a tra- yes, mm-hmm. but also, this is really big. Mm-hmm. I don't, this is a really big Really big story. I don't know if you guys have heard. <laughs> okay. But when he was CEO mm-hmm. of Starbucks, I heard that the Starbucks music store under his watch was painfully white. <laughs> painfully. This is what's being reported. You two and Dave Matthews <laughs> are painfully white. It was painfully <laughs> painfully white. And that is why the Daily Beast wants to discourage any Democrat voters from thinking about voting for Howard Schultz if he does run, because can you not see the racism in the painfully white Starbucks music store? That is awesome. I mean, I was, you know, the easiest way to detect racism uh, is to uh, change the colors. It's like, can you imagine? It's painfully, painfully black. black. Can you imagine what a firestorm? Anyone yeah. said that? Any publication said that outside of, oh, you know, white, some of that was, you know, what's the, uh, the, what's the white supremacist one that they always, uh, Stormfront? Storm? Oh. That's a Billy Joel I, album. Storm something. Stormfront, yeah. Is it Stormfront? It is Stormfront. Are they both? He, which one named after the others? That's 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 a, there's a scandal for Whoa, it. Whoa! I'll look into that tomorrow morning. <laughs> that's my new research project. <laughs> like unless you're on like one of those uh, no Daily Stormer. Daily Stormer. Stormer. Yeah, yeah, right, Storm right, Front right. is the Billy Joel. Okay. Um, but sorry, anyway, Billy. Sorry, Billy. We just accuse you of being white supremacist on the air. I apologize. Uh, but like, I mean, you would never get that from any place this side of Richard Spencer. Yet, you know, Daily Beast feels totally fine. We'll get no pushback from it whatsoever. Uh, that is, that's amazing. Um, you know, Schultz's story is pretty amazing, too. I mean, like, the, the company, he actually, when he started working there, it was someone else started the company, but when he started working there, they, were, they didn't sell coffee at the stores. They sold it in bags, but they didn't serve drinks. He's like, guys, what do you think if we serve the actual drink here? Uh, and they, he built the first uh, wow. cafe where they did that, and he actually was about to go out of business and lose the company, and Bill Gates stepped in and helped him. I mean, there's all sorts of a kind of a crazy... Uh, there's a crazy background to that story, and and it, and like while he's super liberal, his story is actually interesting. He built a real company that people value, um, and he's you know he's not a crazy socialist. He respects capitalism, which gives him no place at the table in the Democratic Party now. Right. So he's like a JFK type Democrat. Yeah, I mean, I think he's going to be. I, I think he would be even further to the left than that. Left. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. But it still would be interesting if he did decide to put his hat into the ring to see how much he could splinter off. Yeah, I mean, from the far left. It's really hard to this do. This in and of itself, though, is proof that that the traditional historic liberal Democrat is not today's Democratic oh, yeah. Party. 
is yeah. not, and this is evidence of that. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's a great point. And, and he wouldn't he, he wouldn't benefit the Democrats. He'd totally or he'd totally benefit the Democrats, not the Republicans right. on that, right? Not, no, I don't think so. I don't know. I mean, I would say because those no. those centrists that went Trump's Trump, way, yeah, could go they, the other they way. They would go the yeah. other way. I think it could hurt either. I mean, the yeah, Democrats that's... are really freaked out about it, but honestly, I think it could go either way. I mean, I think he would because the reason Trump won was because he pulled you know fifteen to twenty percent of Obama voters over to his side. Um, you know, and those those people who were just didn't like Clinton um, and, you know, that decided to vote for Trump last time. I could see easily going to someone like Schultz. I don't think it's a home run either way. I don't think Schultz could win necessarily. It's very difficult to do. I think only four candidates uh, have been able to get over 10 percent as a third party candidate since this is you know, the last 100 years or so. It's very difficult to do. I mean, you get George Wallace in there and a couple of others that have had their little, you know, Ross Perot, obviously. It's very hard to do, though. Uh, but if you're a billionaire, you have that shot. It would, it would also depend on the economy, I think, too, where the economy is at at the time of the election. I think sure. Schultz doesn't pull the trigger on this unless they go to, you know, a, a real— like, if they go to Bernie Sanders, I think that's when he would consider it. I think, he, I think if they run a Joe Biden, he's not going to go anywhere yeah. close to oh, this. Oh, yeah. Has yeah. Sanders declared yet? Or no. no. Uh, although wow. there was another story the other day that he's, he's very close to doing it. How old is Bernie? 80? He's late 70s, at least. Yeah. He looks about 170. But, uh, <laughs> I think he's very kind of you. <laughs> but but accurate. All right, yeah. today's poll: How many news sources do you check before you generally believe a story? God, I hate 2019. I hate 2019. What is the actual answer to that for the average person, though? It's one, one. and it's yeah. one headline in my Facebook feed, right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, unless you're really sitting around listening to talk radio and, you know, subscribing to The Blaze and doing all these things, you're not checking more than one. If, well, and, if Andrew Wilkow doesn't say it, I don't believe yeah. it. You <laughs> should be checking theblaze.com for your news. Just saying, if you want a, a, a credible story, that's where you can go to get your news. But let us know at The Blaze's Twitter. That is at The Blaze. Thank you, gentlemen. Thank you. We'll see you guys tomorrow. You're painfully white. You are. <laughs> I'm not even less than Gonzalez. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the news and why it matters. We hope you enjoyed the podcast. If you'd like to watch the program, become a Blaze TV subscriber and start your free trial now at blazetv.com.